Welcome to Focus, a productivity podcast about more than just cranking widgets. I'm David Sparks and joined by the esteemed Mike Schmitz. Hello, Mike. <laughs> hey, David. How's it going? I am doing well. We've got a show today where we don't have any guests, so I get you all to myself. And we're gonna, we've got a bunch of great topics today. We're heading into Q4. We've got some thoughts on that. Toxic productivity, PKM stacks. This show is full of good stuff. But before we get started, I wanted to talk about the annual focus calendars. They're back. They are. Yeah. Uh, I've been getting a couple people reaching out to me directly saying, are you going to do a calendar? Well, yes, we've actually been working on them for the last several weeks, but didn't want to make any announcements before they were officially ready. Uh, I've had some conversations with Jesse at New Year. He's assured me that they should be available for sale by the time this goes live. So there will be a 2024 version of the New Year focus calendar. And uh, to be honest, I think the 2023 one was pretty awesome. So we kept it largely the same. Yeah, it evolved over the first several years, but now we've kind of got it nailed down and uh, you get the benefit of our experience here. So the the New Year calendar, first of all, the reason we partner with New Year uh, and, you know, we could have gone to a less expensive vendor, but we wanted the best quality calendar and New Year makes them. If you want a calendar on your wall, New Year does so much right. Like they've, we've got the thing where the months blend together. Um, the Monday is the first day of the week as it should be. Uh, we've got habit tracking boxes. So if you want to do the Seinfeld thing, we, we've got all the features that you would want on one of these calendars. And uh, I love having mine on the wall. I look at it every day. It's how I decide, frankly, whether or not to commit to something. Because I look up and say, whoa, that month is already pretty booked. I should slow down. Um, but the, uh, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the, the calendars. I'm thrilled that we are able to have a, a focused version because I've been using them long before we had a focused version. I was buying them myself and using them every year. We've got multiples at, at my house. I've got one in my office, which is on the, uh, the foam board on the, the wall. And that's a, a great writing experience. And it's right behind my desk and I see it every single day. But we've also got one up in the, the kitchen, the big open like kitchen living room area with all of the family stuff on it. And uh, yeah, my, my wife and my family uses it just as much as I do in very different ways. <laughs> They're not doing the, the habit tracking and things like that, but it's nice to have a, a place where you can see all of the upcoming family events, all the, the soccer schedules, all that kind of stuff. So there's lots of different ways that you could use it, but uh, I think it is a very useful, albeit analog tool. Yes, analog is fine. One of the tips you gave me this year is use wet erase as opposed to dry erase on it. And that was such a game changer for me. So I got some nice uh, thin wet erase pins and that it makes it so much easier to kind of get it on there, but be able to take it off if you need to. And uh, so I recommend the wet erase. Mike and I also uh, mount ours. Now, this is not included in the price. We couldn't mail them to you mounted to foam or the shipping would be insane. Uh, but you get them, you can take it in anywhere and, and mount it on a piece of foam or do it yourself. There's two sides to the calendar, vertical and horizontal. So whichever one fits your wall better, you can just pick that to be the front side. Uh, another upgrade I did to mine this year was I put some steel grommets in. So they're like little circle holes with steel uh, reinforcement. And so I hung hooks on the wall rather than like stick it to the wall. It hangs on the wall and I routinely pull it down off the wall and lay it on my desk and work on it and then put it back up on the wall. I really think that was a great uh kind of upgrade for me this year. But man, I love this calendar. If we didn't make them, I would find someone that makes them and buy one for myself. So there you go. (laughs) 
But, you know, you can help support the show. It says focused, you know, right at the top, 2024. You know, we're about more than cranking widgets, guys. And and that's a nice reminder to have on your wall. It helps us out, helps you out. So so go check it out. We'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. And one of the the killer features of the the New Year calendars, and this is brought over to the focus version as well, is that there is a background shading for the four different quarters. So if you follow something like 12 week year concept, which is actually what we're going to talk about here today with quarter four, it actually helps you visually distinguish where one quarter ends and another quarter begins. Um, there's even on the focus calendar different like week numbers and day numbers. So you can see the day in the, the quarter and you can see I'm on day 72 of the, the fourth quarter when you look at today's date. But uh, very, very handy supporting tool. I mean, this isn't where you're going to do all of your calendar management, but it is where you're going to think bigger and more strategically about what you're trying to accomplish over the next 90 days or over the next calendar year. You know, and I'd also like to call out if you're listening and you've bought one in the past and you've used it to great effect and you're willing to share a picture of it, send us a picture. I'd love to see what you're doing with your focus calendar. So either way, go check it out on the uh, website. You can buy it right now, get it, get set up, get ready for the new year. And, uh, and thank you for everyone who's bought them in the past. And we really appreciate your support. All right. Should we talk about quarter four? Yeah, I, I felt like uh, we haven't done this all year. We, we talked earlier in the year, maybe we would cover quarter planning uh, sometimes during the show, but, but you know, there's a lot of topics and a lot of guests, but quarter four in particular to me is unique. Uh, we just did a, a call on this in the Max Barkey Labs, and I felt like everybody in the room was having the same feelings about quarter four. It, to me, it's an introspective quarter because you feel the end of the year approaching on you. And it really is a time to reflect on, you know, how am I doing? What were my big projects and goals for the year? And and as we enter October, you know, how am I doing with that? Yeah, I mean, the the whole idea behind the 12-week year, which we mentioned earlier, is that you have that sort of experience multiple times per year, so you get more loops in. But I agree that even if you do follow that 12-week year format, uh, there is something different about the last quarter of the year before you actually turn the page and get a new calendar and uh, enter into 2024. Yeah. I'm weird because I really do try to make quarters, my biggest planning unit. Like I don't try to plan in terms of years. It just, I always feel feels to me like it's too abstract. And I know there's like companies and people out there that work on five-year plans and 10-year plans. But for me, uh, a quarter at a time is good because I feel like it allows me to adjust. I don't want to be stuck with something I decided was important two years ago. And I like the quarter idea, but I mean, there's just something about January one, right? It, even when you work on quarters, I think it's because everybody around you is feeling the sense of renewal. And there is like, I don't know, it's just a digit on a calendar, but there is something special. You hang your new focus calendar on the wall. It's like a fresh, clean <laughs> slate. You know, everything to me about January one feels good. I really don't plan too much around the year, but I do feel it. Like uh, for me, one of the big things this year was getting out of what I've been calling transition mode. Like I, when I stopped being a lawyer, uh, which will have been two years on January 1st, I thought that it would take me a couple months to kind of get through transition time. And that is foolish because transitions just take a long time. And even in my case where I had been being Max Sparky already for 15 years, it wasn't like I was quitting one career and starting a brand new one. It was just like I was choosing one of two. But it really changed for me. Like I felt like I wanted to up my production values and I wanted to do the labs. And there was 
like there was a lot of change involved with that. And also just kind of adjusting to a different life where I had been doing that one career for 30 years and suddenly I'm not anymore. So it took about a year and a half in hindsight. Now, granted, I also added a construction project to the mix and I added the labs, but but I uh, I feel like that's a reasonable amount of time when you make a major change in your life, about a year and a half. And coming into January 1 this year, although it wasn't like a year project, I did know that I wanted to stop saying, uh, this isn't working quite yet because I'm in transition and I haven't got it all sorted out yet. I felt mm-hmm. like I was using that excuse too much in the first year. And I feel like I'm solidly past that. So heading into quarter four, looking back, I'm like, well, you know, that one big thing I wanted to make sure happened this year. Well, that that happened. Um, so I'm good. Uh, at least that part of it. But uh, all of us, as we head into quarter four, may have a couple big things that we are thinking about in the year, whether or not we do annual planning. And this is kind of your last chance. Like, let's let's get it going between now and December. And we all know that December usually is rough because you have a lot of family and, you know, holiday and different things going on. So it's hard to get a lot done then anyway. True. Uh, I do think if you're listening to this now and uh, you are wanting to make progress at the end of the year, but you haven't set any sort of intentions, quarterly intentions previously, it's not too late. That's the whole promise of the 12 week year is that, uh, you can get, you know, the uh, traditionally we we set these annual goals and we procrastinate for eleven months and then we try to cram at the end, and then yeah. we don't quite hit it, but we made some progress. Well, why don't you just shorten the time frame, and kind of s- sprint and recover a couple of times throughout the the year? So I actually think that quarter four is the perfect time to gain some traction and some momentum going into twenty twenty four. I don't have that clean cutoff date like this is the january 1st is the day that i became an independent <laughs> minus kind of somewhere in the middle of quarter two <laughs> yeah uh, but i was reflecting on um the intentions that i had set during quarter or for quarter three last time i did a, a personal retreat and uh there were a couple related to the next version of the obsidian university cohort which i am smack dab in the middle of and then uh focusing on growing YouTube and the email list because as an independent creator, the email list is the thing that allows you to survive. Uh, so I, I've been neglecting that for a very long time, realized that I need to pay more attention to that. I need to send newsletters consistently for one thing. Yeah. Um, and looking back on it now, I, I see the intentions that I set and um, I feel like what they did is they gave me a compass, but not a blueprint. They gave me a direction. When I created those intentions of Obsidian University version two and then growing the newsletter, I had kind of a a number in mind with the newsletter that obviously I was not going to hit if I'm looking back at it now and know what I know now. That was completely unrealistic, but there's a lot of positive signs there. And then with the the Obsidian University v2, I initially thought that I'm just going to repeat the first first cohort material and I'll make a couple of tweaks, but actually I ended up changing pretty much the entire thing. Uh, I took a totally different approach with it based on on feedback. And I'm glad that I set those intentions because that allowed me to uh, make the progress that I made. And now going into Q4, I feel like, okay, the Mike that set the Q3 intentions had no idea what he was doing, but that set me up to learn a lot. And now for the next quarter, I feel like I'm more prepared 
because this is now the the second quarter of me being independent, that I can accelerate that learning curve that you were talking about. I feel like if you take this approach and do it repeatedly, it doesn't have to take a year and a half. Um, And I don't think that's good or bad, by the way. I think everybody's kind of got their own uh, pace at which they they learn and grow and and figure things out. But uh, if you want to do it sooner rather than later, (laughs) you want a bunch of iterations of this. You don't want to just set the intention and then check back on it, you know, 12 months from now. And did I hit it or not? Well, oh, not quite there yet, I guess. Well, we'll just stick with it and see what happens. Like that, that's not a good approach. This episode of the Focus Podcast is brought to you by Electric. Unbury yourself from IT tasks and get a free pair of Beats Solo 3 wireless headphones when you schedule a meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash focused. When leading your small business, it's not all glamour. In fact, sometimes it's a matter of spending hours onboarding an employee, which you're well-equipped to deal with, but maybe you don't have time for that. The team over at Electric knows small businesses, maybe like yours, face these challenges. That's why they're on hand to help with the time-consuming parts of your business, like standardized device security with best-in-class device management software, so you can implement best practices across the board and be ready to scale. And employee onboarding and offboarding is done for you, saving you an average of eight hours per request. Plus, Electric will help you keep a single point of visibility into your IT environment to control your devices, networks, and applications. While simplified reporting allows you to achieve and maintain compliance, and proactive IT recommendations and automated workflows make IT easy to manage for even non-technical users. And look, if you're hearing this and you think your company could use some of these services, but you're not sure where to start, Electric's experts will guide you through the process of establishing standardized IT processes for your organization. If you're the slightest bit techie, it's very tempting when you're running your small business to think you can do your own IT. And maybe you can. Maybe you have the skill set necessary. Maybe you're willing to spend the time to keep up with the research and know where all the dragons are. But even if you are, and even if you do spend that time, that's all time you're taking away from your business. IT should be offloaded to IT experts, and that's what Electric is good at. For focused listeners, Electric is offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash focused. That's electric.ai slash focused. Go there now and get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. And our thanks to Electric for their support of the Focus podcast. All right, so we've kind of uh, all made our our confessions and discussions about the importance of quarter four. Mike, what are we doing with our quarter four planning? Have you finished yours? I have not finished it yet, but I've done a bunch of pre-work. As we were talking about before we hit record, I am actually leaving for my personal retreat as soon as we are done here. I'm going to go to a getaway house, which is a tiny house uh, in the middle of the woods and I'm going to finish the the process there but I've I've kind of got a, a note started and some things that I've been thinking about and a lot of things that uh, uh were spurred by activity that happened in in quarter 3 so definitely enough to kind of talk about the the big things here but still don't have all the details on like what are the specific things that I want to start stop and keep doing that kind of stuff I'm jealous of you because you guys can get those tiny houses so cheap over there in California. It's actually quite expensive to go get one for a few days. 
But I'm still, I'm going to do that at some point anyway. I've always wanted that. I feel like there's a part of me that could live in one of those. Like I could be one of those minimalist folk, um, except I would miss my wood shop, I think. But otherwise, I think I'd be good. Uh, but the, uh, but yeah, that's good. I did mine uh, last week. I just had no appointments from Thursday afternoon till Friday night. So I did it in a day and a half, locked myself in indoor studios, and I went through the steps. So, uh, and we've talked about that before, you know, kind of what we do on our, our personal retreats. And I know that doing it at home isn't as good as doing it away. I have experienced that, but sometimes you just got to do it at home and, and whatever works, right? Yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a, a deal breaker. I, I do recommend that when people are, are going to get away and think about the, the future, it does help to get into a different space than where you are all the time. Your brain just, uh, maybe this is just me. But if I walk into my office at, at home, uh, I'm immediately thinking about what's the next video project or what are the other things that I have to edit uh, because that's where this type of work happens for me. And uh, the thinking happens when I am in a different location. And the getaway house is, is pretty cool. Uh, the, the URL is just getaway.house, but there will be a, a link in the show notes if you're interested in, in this sorts, these sorts of things. They're kind of positioned as a way to get in nature for people who live in big cities. Um, I do not live close to Milwaukee, but that's the big city in Wisconsin. That Madison, I guess. Um, But Milwaukee is about two hours away. However, this uh, getaway house location where they have a whole bunch of these like campsites, uh, they are on the website marketed as the Milwaukee getaway houses, even though they are about 40 minutes from my house and about an hour and a half from Milwaukee. <laughs> sure. So I don't know. And, and you can get passes, by the way, for six days or something. And then you can use those at any of the getaway houses across the, the, uh, the United States. I don't, I don't think they're international um, yet, but uh, I was pretty pleased to find these so, so close to home. And uh, they, they are really nice. It's a tiny house that has uh, indoor plumbing, it has uh, electricity, so it's got uh, a range, like you could cook up some meals, a fire pit outside. Uh, it's it's the perfect environment for this. I, I did my last one there, and I'm excited to to go back. And and with the the code that they had available at the time, it ended up being less than a hundred bucks for me. So less than a a decent hotel room, you know, you can't can't beat that. No, that's that's perfect, right? Uh, getaway dot house and. I too am super interested, but when I was pricing them, they were more like $400 a night. And, uh, that was uh, Southern California. So maybe it's I'll have to check again, but uh, you got me thinking about that. I, I think the problem with doing it at home is that is your maker space. Like if you, or at the office, you know, if you're somebody who works in a certain space all the time, when you try to do this, this planning in the same place that you make stuff, whether it's writing contracts or making videos or whatever, it is really difficult to get your head into what I would call manager mode, which is really the goal of these retreats, right? Is to think about the big picture, not doing the work, but about the work. Um, One of the things I've done is I have a comfy leather chair in my studio. Um, Got it years ago and I love it. I sit in it and I do two things in it. I do manager stuff and I do consumption stuff. Like I read books in that chair and I do planning and, and stuff in that chair so I can write there. I've got a little desk I can pull up to it. I've also got a, um, I got the ability to dictate there, but I don't ever do this stuff at my desk with my Mac and my big monitor and the thing where I actually create stuff. 
And that does help having a little bit of distinction, but it's much better to go off into the woods. And these getaway houses are great because they always have big plate glass windows. So you've got a nice view out into the woods while you sit in bed and gaze on your future. I, I think you're onto something. You definitely want to do this getaway if you can, but, but I did mine. I did it at home and that's just the way it kind of worked this year. Daisy and I share one car. We got some stuff going on with the kids. I can't really get away for a few days right now, but it is nice. <laughs> yeah. And you don't have to get away for a, a few days. I mean, maybe you do. Maybe that's where the the closest thing like this is. Um, a 40 minute drive for me, you know, I can leave at the end of, uh, I can cut my work day a little bit short because the check-in is at 3 p.m. And you can get early check-in, late checkout, that sort of thing. But essentially 3 p.m. till 11 a.m. And that's enough time for me to get a personal retreat done, especially if I don't have access to any of the other stuff, which is kind of the the whole promise of these places. You put your, they even have like a wooden cell phone lockbox, they call it. The whole idea is that you're supposed to put your phone in there when you when you come and then you don't take it out again until you leave. Yeah, a lot like of that. these places, they don't have cell reception where they are anyways. So they tell you, you got to download the code to get in before you even get in the car to drive there. I mean, it's definitely disconnecting and disconnecting uh, whatever way, shape or form you can do it, I think helps you to think more. Uh, I was going to say clearly or strategically, but really, I just think there's a whole nother level that you you get to. Uh, it's kind of hard to explain, but. Uh, if you are used to thinking about your business or your life in a specific way, you will be shocked the first time that you completely disconnect from everything and then just consider all of the possibilities. It might be a little bit scary and intimidating at first, actually. I know it was was for me because it's like, wow, I could do all of this stuff, but I'm not doing any of it. What's my problem? Yeah. <laughs> and you got to figure out you know what? Well, the, the goal is not to, the, the trick is not to bite off more than you can chew, not to try to change everything at once, but what's the one thing I can do that's going to make the biggest impact tomorrow, your term, move the, the needle. So maybe that's a good place to get into the, the actual, actual plans. Cause I know what's going to move the needle for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's, so what's going to move the needle for you, Mike? Yeah. Well, there's actually two things that will move the needle. Uh, one is going to be to continue to grow Obsidian University. I'm in the middle of the second cohort, and uh, I was talking to a couple people, some close friends who have gone through and run cohort-based courses before, and uh, they basically all told me, you know, you're starting this new business as an independent creator. You're going into the second cohort. This one's going to be the worst one. <laughs> and the next couple of months are going to suck, <laughs> but you're going to be able to get through it. And for whatever reason, that was actually really helpful when I when I heard that. Obviously, I don't want it to be be hard. I wish things would would click and <laughs> the money would just start coming in. Uh, but I also realized that the first cohort that I launched, there were a bunch of people who were familiar with my work, and this was something new that I was doing, and so they jumped on it right away. And the second cohort, uh, all the super fans were already in the first one. <laughs> Yeah. So now it's a numbers game with the the email list that I had neglected. So uh, the thing that I want to make sure that I do though is I want to focus on the quality before the quantity. I don't want to grow the list and get a bunch of people in Obsidian University if I can't deliver a top notch experience. So I went through the first one, uh, got a ton of great feedback changed basically the entire thing so it focuses more not just on the technical features of obsidian but it's more the values-based productivity and creativity workflows it's kind of my wheelhouse anyway and when people were telling me that's what they liked 
and that's what I should do more of. It's like, okay, well, I'll do that. <laughs> um, and so I feel like what I've got now is a, a very great experience, uh, very great material that I'm finishing up this, this next one. And then the way that I am focusing on growing the, the list um, is not just, hey, everybody sign up for my list, but uh, I've been experimenting with YouTube uh, over the last several weeks. Uh, this was something that was spurred by something from my previous uh, personal retreat. I have my 2023 Q3 document open in front of me. And what the number one thing I wrote down under what should I start doing? I have worked with Matt Raglan for the newsletter, question mark. Well, you know that I ended up working with Matt and he gave me a bunch of great feedback that led to uh, Obsidian University being what it is. And one of the things that he told me uh, right when we started working together, he's like, you got to start cranking out these YouTube videos. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I guess I'll do it. I don't know if I can. You know, it's, It was one of those things where I didn't know if I had enough ideas to make enough quality, uh, quality YouTube videos, but I've done one a week now for I think six or seven, maybe even eight weeks. And uh, the growth is, is starting. I'm starting to see the growth. And uh, the thing with YouTube for me is I don't want to get my YouTube channel to a certain number of subscribers and now I can monetize and put all my eggs in that that basket. Now I'm not a YouTuber first. I am an Obsidian coach first. <laughs> Obsidian University yeah. is the thing that I want uh to get people to because that's where I feel like I can provide the the greatest value. But building the YouTube videos and talking about Obsidian templates and having the free starter vault that people can download. Um, I guess I really haven't mentioned that in, in this uh this medium. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes if people are interested in it. But that's, that's all the thing that, you know, I'm, I'm able to help people with the problems that they have regarding Obsidian. And then the Obsidian University thing is the next logical step. Not everybody's going to be interested in it. That's fine. But enough people will be <laughs> that that's going to be the thing that's going to help me to, to grow and survive as a, as a creator. And honestly, that's the, the thing I love helping people do is set up their technology and their PKM stacks um, specifically around Obsidian, because I think it's such a great tool for thought in a way that helps them be intentional with their life so they can collect the information that's actually going to be useful for them and generate better ideas and take better actions to live a life in, in alignment with their their vision and their values. Well, I mean, I, I think YouTube makes a ton of sense for you. It's um, It's been on my short list forever, too. And I, I do... I did like something like 200 videos for the labs in the last year for uh, YouTube that nobody sees unless you're in the labs. And like we've been working, me and my, my helper JF have been working on refining the production of videos and making them good and getting them out. But I haven't shared much publicly and that's something I want to do, but I've got a bunch of ideas for that and I never seem to quite get to it. That, that's definitely on my list for quarter four too. It's not, I don't think it's going to hit full uh, stream, but I'd like to get to a point where I at least release two public ones a month. And uh, we're taking steps to do that as well. So I guess we've got similar goals, except you're ahead of me there. You're getting them out. You're actually getting them out the door. Yeah. Well, I don't know if the term ahead is the right, uh, the right one to use there because um, the, the mistake I think you can make with, creating in general, but YouTube specifically, is to look at somebody who's been doing it for a while and say, oh, well, they've got 10,000 subscribers and that could have been me if I had started earlier. Yeah, don't do You really that. can't. Yeah, you can't do it that way. Really, all you can do is make good stuff for the people 
who you can help and you got to know where they are. I mean, YouTube's not the right answer for, for everyone for, for Max Sparky. It probably makes a, a lot of sense. There, there are probably some, some Mac nerds there who could benefit from some of the, the field guide materials that, that you put out. Yeah. Um, but then it's, it's just consistency and you continually show up and you continually make good stuff. And what I love about YouTube specifically is that's the one where the algorithm is incentivized to help you find the people that you can help if you do it the right way. I mean, I don't see you making the, uh, the clickbaity titles and, and all that kind of stuff, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> well, it's definitely something on my list uh, for quarter four. And for me, it's the next field guide. Like I'm always thinking about the next one. And the Obsidian Field Guide took eight months. It was a really hard thing to produce. You're an Obsidian teacher, too. You understand uh, the challenge of this thing is that it's so it can do anything. And that's the beauty and the reason we love it. But it also makes it really hard to teach, which is why things like Obsidian University are so good. But it it takes work to figure out how to teach that. It takes work. And then it takes uh, continual updating. Um, This is both a blessing and a curse with obsidian specifically is that the team is on a tear and, and it changes uh, at least weekly, sometimes daily. <laughs> uh, and you know, that means that if you're going to have uh, up-to-date materials that are going to teach people how to, how to use it, you got to stay. Keep up uh, yeah. You got to stay up with the, all the updates. Also on my list uh, as we head into quarter four is uh, family time. You know, I want to make sure that this, you know, holiday season is special for us. Uh, My kids are getting older. You know, at some point I'll see them maybe less often. What if one of them gets a job and moves to the other side of the country or something? So I definitely want to make sure that as we get to the holidays, we continue our family traditions and we have time to to do that and for me to be fully present when that happens so i've looked at like the things that we often do and i've made time for it and blocked off entire days in some places and i've done that already so that time is sacred and people are not going to be able to take it over and i'm not going to let my uh my maker addiction take over those days either yeah that one uh it's interesting because um as I'm thinking through Q4, there's a lot that needs to happen for the the future of Mike Schmidt's industries. <laughs> yeah, um, and we've kind of talked about it as a, a family that this is going to be a busy season. So I intend to take some time off at strategic points. Like actually, I staggered the Obsidian University launch a little bit so that it wraps up before my son's end of the year. They've got this national high school soccer tournament that they play in, in, in Tennessee. And so Obsidian university will be done before I go down there because I want to not have to worry about that for those couple of days. And, uh, there'll be time at the very end of the year between Christmas and, and new year's where I'm going to be setting that aside to be with family also but the rest of the time there's kind of a collective understanding in the schmitz household that dad's going to be less available over the the near term but with the belief that that is going to free some things up in the long term and you have to have the right approach with that because it's got to be systems it's got to be things that can 
scale and and automate. Not that I'm going to completely automate things, but um, I need to make things as repeatable and as simple as they can be so they take minimal effort because that is the long-term goal. By March of next year, I want to be in complete control of my calendar. And that means that I've got to have enough in the pipeline that it can support me just deciding, you know what, my kids need me today and I'm going to take the day off. Don't feel like I can do that right now. Uh, and that's kind of the, the trade-off that we've, we've made is that it's going to be busy for now, but by this time, by March of 2024, uh, it's going to be different. And I guess if we get to that point and it's not different, then we got to have a, a more serious discussion. But uh, I think it's it's okay to have the the ebbs and flows kind of to your point previously, recognizing, well, this is what Q4 is going to look like for me. Um, but you can't just pedal to the metal all the time. Uh, that's not sustainable. You are going to going to burn out. So if you have a, a period of real intense work like I'm going to have over the next 90 days, honestly, um, then that's got to be followed by a little bit of a, a deceleration. You got to come up for air. Yeah. And I think we all have periods like that, whether we work for someone else or work for ourselves. And and I know that you're going through that right now because you've made some big changes and you want this to work. So you're going to have to put the time in. It's also true in terms of just general bandwidth. And I think this is a good time as you're doing your quarter plan to look at your general bandwidth for the quarter. You know, for instance, that you're going to not have much because of what you're doing, but that's okay once in a while. Just don't make it the full-time thing. Exactly. Yep. This episode of Focus is brought to you by ZocDoc. Have you ever been on the hunt for a new doctor and you ask everyone you know for their recommendation? I mean, it makes sense. You want a doctor who actually gets you, listens to you, and makes you feel super comfortable and at home. And then finally, after weeks of searching, you find the one. They meet all your requirements and then some. So you call their office and they have an appointment available. Then you find out your perfect doctor doesn't take your insurance. Don't worry. Head over to ZocDoc to find and book the doctor who is right for you and takes your insurance. ZocDoc is a free app where you can find amazing doctors and book appointments online. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed doctors and specialists, and you can filter specifically for ones that take your insurance, are located near you, and treat almost any condition that you could possibly be searching for. These doctors all have verified reviews from actual, real patients, not bots, and the average wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 and 48 hours. That's it. You can even get same-day appointments. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately, just a few taps on the app, so no more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. If you're hesitant about going to the doctor, I get it. I was just there myself, had a partially torn calf muscle, had to go into the ER. Not a pleasant experience. But that's not the way that it has to be. And ZocDoc makes it really, really easy to find a doctor who can give you the care that you need without having to jump through a bunch of hoops. If you're someone who has put off going to the doctor because you weren't sure who to go to and it just seemed like a lot of hassle, just know it doesn't have to be that way, and ZocDoc is there to help you find the care that you need quick and easily. So go to ZocDoc.com slash Focus, F-O-C-U-S-E-D, and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash Focus. ZocDoc.com slash Focus. Our thanks to ZocDoc for their support of the Focus podcast and all of Relay FM. 
we talked about toxic productivity a few times with our guests over the last couple of shows, but we, you know, we touch on it and move on with a guest. I wanted to go deeper down that rabbit hole. We did a show on it. What about 18 months ago now? I've kind of lost track of time, but uh, this continues to be an issue. And I get lots of email from people who found focus podcasts and, and are specifically complimentary that they like the fact that we don't tell people we have all the answers all the time, but uh, I think this issue of toxic productivity is one that anybody interested in this stuff needs to be aware of and and avoid. Um, and I thought it'd be fun to kind of talk about how we find ourselves getting trapped in stuff like this. Have you found yourself getting trapped in toxic productivity mm-hmm. as of late? I've gotten trapped in a maybe different version of this. Um, so toxic productivity can uh, manifest a, a lot of different ways. Uh, but the one that it is showing up as for me is uh, these other things that I quote unquote should be doing because as a new uh, full-time creator, I'm still trying to figure out what are the best places for me to concentrate my efforts. And I believe that you know in the past segment, we talked about YouTube being one of those. But that was from trial and error. This is not the first time I've tried YouTube. Uh, I went through Ali Abdal's part-time YouTuber Academy about a year and a half ago, and it just never really stuck for me. And then you go to something like craft and commerce and you meet all these cool people and they're doing all these amazing things. And you're like, oh, I should do this. I should do that. I should be on TikTok. I should do all these things. And uh, you have to figure out as a, as a creator, what are the, the ones that are worth showing up at. And so uh, I feel like I'm still kind of scrambling because I want to gain traction. But at some point, I've got to be able to say, you know what, the other opportunities that are out there, those are nice. Maybe I'll check those out at some point. But for me, for right now, that's just not the thing. And I'm going to focus on this thing for now. And uh, uh, YouTube is the thing that I am focusing on the newsletter is kind of coupled with that. But I know that there's people who say, oh, you should be on on LinkedIn. That's where the the people who are willing to spend the money on professional development are going to hang out. And you know, I I haven't really done anything on, on LinkedIn. Yeah, that is an opportunity, but I'm if I try to do that now, I'm going to be spread too thin. And uh because I can I can convince myself that this is something that I should be doing. And it's uh, going to be a busy season for myself anyways. It's easy for me to just add one more thing, one more thing, one more thing. And pretty soon now I've got absolutely no margin. I've got no downtime. I'm working all weekend and that's not a good or a healthy thing. So I'm trying to find that balance of, uh, yeah, I know that this is going to be a busy season and I got I to gotta grow as, as quickly as I, I can, uh, recognizing there are no shortcuts for that. So I'm not going to you know, find some magic beans somewhere that are going to just magically transform my, my, uh, creator, uh, my creator life. Uh, it's going to take some time and some consistency to get to the level of some of the other people that I, I look up to yourself included, but, uh, that's okay. And just picking, picking my horse and riding that one. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but for me, it's, it's real easy to get excited about something that I see somebody else doing and be like, oh, well, I could, I could probably do that too. 
uh, and having to force myself not to entertain those thoughts and, and stay focused on the thing that I've decided to do for the next 90 days, which is honestly why I love the personal retreat so much. When I say I'm not going to worry about that right now, what I'm really saying is I'm not going to think about that for the next 90 days. But at 90 days, I give myself permission to go back and reconsider it if it's something I'm still interested in. Yeah, I I think there's something to that. And it, it really does help to have that renewal after 90 days. I, I think there's also a couple elements of toxic productivity because the thing you're talking about, I, I think of as creator addiction. The thing is, I love making stuff, right? And there's a part of me that just really can't help myself, right? It's like if I learned about something, I'm like, oh, I could share this or, oh, I want to go further down the stack on this and see what I could do with it. And everything I do goes that way. Like I was working in the shop the other day, like I talked about on the show, the wood shop for me is a little kind of escape from being super productive. It's a place where I work slow. And I was thinking, well, I should make some videos on how I do this. And it's like, no, you have to slow down. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, so I guess that is an element of toxic productivity is, is not stopping. And it's even harder when you enjoy doing it all. Like I was a lawyer for 30 years. Some of the stuff I did was not fun. Right. But you did it anyway. And like with um, the stuff I do now, it's all fun and it's all interesting. And so much of it leads to positive feedback from other humans. So it triggers the chemicals in your brain. So that I guess that's one form of toxic productivity. What I was thinking about also when I, when I introduced the topic, though, is this idea that, oh, there's a better, more productive way to do this. And you just have to get this app or you just have to get this service or you just have to do this thing. And then all of a sudden it gets better. And there's so many snake oil salesmen on the internet that are telling you that repeatedly. It's very hard to, to not get trapped in that once in a while. That's true. Although I lately have been going to the other extreme with that. Um, so I, I do some some writing on the side still for the the sweet setup. And we literally had a call this morning where we talked through what we're going to be writing about over the next couple months. And there's things that people are interested in, new apps, new operating systems uh, that I have no knowledge about. And what was kind of alarming to me today was I have no desire to go <laughs> download the latest calendar app yeah. and, and figure it out. You know, I'm, I'm perfectly happy with the, the things that I've got. And maybe part of that is Obsidian because the community plugin architecture and like there's constantly new things that you can do with it. Like that's going to keep me busy because I'm kind of chosen that that's, that's going to be where I'm going to plant my flag for now. But I don't know. It's, it's different. I, I don't feel the need to try the, the latest task manager or the latest calendar application. Maybe they've just gotten to the point where what, you know, we've got an embarrassment of riches and I feel like whatever I would choose is going to be good enough for my simple needs. But yeah, that I, that is a, a flavor of toxic productivity, but it was kind of jarring to me today when I realized that I don't really struggle with that part of it anymore. Yeah, and I do think that that, that what you just said is absolutely true. Um, these tools have matured to a point where any the, any number of tools can do the job for you. And if you're spending your time, spending hours trying to say, well, is this one better than that one? You know, is this the good thing that's going to make it possible? 
then you are worried about the wrong problem. And anytime you capture your catch yourself like into that rabbit hole, then you need to be careful. Like you mentioned calendar apps. There's like a new thing going on where everybody's making web-based calendar tools that have tasks built in. And what they're really doing is time blocking. They're, you know, it's an app that allows you to put your task on a calendar and time block. Time blocking has been around since a long time. Let's say at least Ben Franklin, probably Aristotle. And so this is not new science here. And uh, you don't need an app that combines them. You can time block with a piece of paper. Uh, so, but when you catch yourself like going down those rabbit holes saying, well, if I just get this app, will this make it possible for me? That is toxic productivity. That is to me, the thing you need to say, red flag, I need to stop exactly what I'm doing and get down and sit with my list and do something that I need to ship rather than worry about this. Even as a guy who makes a living teaching about these things where I could, I guess, say I'm doing it as research, even for me, it's toxic productivity. So I think that's one of the easy traps to get in is like, I need the best workflow. I need the app that's going to suddenly make it possible to get things done. Well, I got news for you. There's lots of people that actually ship things that don't have that tool. Yeah, the the biggest hindrance to you doing the thing is no longer the technology at your disposal. <laughs> it's yeah. the gray matter between your ears. Yeah. Uh so when I see myself going down those 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 bits, I I try to stop. And sometimes I journal about it, you know, I guess the bell should ring. I talked about journaling again. The other thing I find useful for this is when I find a tool that I like, I write down the reasons I'm using it. I just keep a running list. Oh, this is what I, this is the app I like. This is what I'm doing with it. This is why. And that's a page in my Obsidian database. And, and every time I get tempted to replace it, I go read that. And then suddenly that helps kind of cure me of the, of the disease of, Oh no, there's something newer and shinier that I must go use. No, that, that doesn't, that helps. It's like, I've already, I've already done the homework. I've already written down the research. Something's going to have to be, way better for me to spend the time to transition. One of the things that I have uh, am teaching in the Obsidian University um, sessions this time around uh, is picking the, the apps that you're going to use. And a lot of the people, obviously, in Obsidian University, Obsidian is going to be part of that, but it's not going to be everything. Yeah. And you need to set up your, your system so that these things can tie together. And, and before you can really do that, you have to know what jobs you are hiring your apps to do. I uh, remember friend Ernie telling us about the Christian Claytonson video. Clayton Christensen. And his, yeah. Clayton Christensen, yes, yeah. correct. Uh, he, he, uh, his firm was working with McDonald's to help them make better milkshakes. And uh, they were optimizing for all the wrong things at first until they started interviewing the uh, the customers who were buying them because they realized half of them were sold before 8 a.m. and the people who bought them were alone. And so why did you buy that milkshake? Well, I got a long drive to, to work. I don't want to be hungry when I get there and I need something that's not going to be messy in the car. And at that point, you know, it doesn't matter how chocolatey it is or anything like that. You maybe want a thinner straw so it lasts longer, something like that. Uh, and the tools that we have at our disposal, there's so many features and they're, they're so powerful. They can do all of these different things. But you need to know exactly what the 
apps that you're using, the intention that you are going to have behind them. And uh, one of the things I've battled with, maybe this fits in toxic productivity, is uh, you have this app, and Obsidian's a great example of this, and you feel bad because you're only using it for this one thing, and you know people who are doing all of these things out of it. Um, the one that kind of stands out to me is OmniFocus because I remember being in a Tim Stringer Learn OmniFocus session and and uh, people making a comment about how my setup was pretty simple. And the further I get from that event, the further I realize that I shouldn't care what anybody else thinks about my system. I shouldn't care if I'm only scratching the surface of the the functionality of of that particular application. If it's an application I like to use and it's providing me value, then I should just use it and enjoy it. Uh, and, and likewise, if you are looking for a new app to plug into your workflow, you got to know exactly what you at least think it's going to give you that the current apps that you're using are, are not. Because to your point, you're not just going to download whatever app and move everything over there and now it's going to click and it's all puppies and rainbows. You're just going to replicate the problems that were in your previous system now in a new system. Yeah. And you're going to be looking for whatever replaces that instead of actually doing the work. That yep. is toxic productivity. I mean, it's it's reading the next hot book, downloading the next hot app, and thinking this is the answer that I've been waiting for my whole life. Look, the answer is already there. You just got to find it. You're not, and I like books and I like apps. Don't get me wrong, but you when it when the rubber meets the road, it's on you. And whether using OmniFocus or a napkin or Obsidian or Reminders or whatever, are you shipping? Are you getting the work done? That's the question. This episode of the Focus Podcast is brought to you by Clean My Mac X. Make your Mac as good as new and get 5% off today. Go to macpaw.app slash focused. You know one way to lose focus? It's to spend all your time maintaining your computer systems. You shouldn't have to do that yourself. There are tools for that. And my favorite is Clean My Mac X. Junk files, hung processes, and malicious apps can slow down even the latest, most powerful Macs. Maintaining your Apple machine, whether old or new, is essential for smooth macOS performance. Clean My Mac X is an all-in-one Mac maintenance tool that takes care of old junk, faulty apps, and malware in an efficient, aesthetically pleasing, and hassle-free way. Using the app's menu, you can monitor your Mac's health, CPU load, and more. With nearly 30 million downloads and over 15 years of expertise, this app is a must-try for any Mac user. I think I downloaded this thing as soon as they announced it back in the day, and I've been using it ever since. You can run Clean My Mac X to gear up your Mac for the update to Sonoma. As Apple continues to pack the Macs with innovative features, Clean My Mac X ensures that your hardware remains healthy and running at peak performance, so you can enjoy the seamless macOS experience. I've been using this app for as long as I've known about it, and I used to run scripts and do all this stuff myself, but it was a pain in the neck and I was never sure if I was really getting everything. Clean My Mac X does that for you. They've solved the problem. Install the app, push the button, let it do the work for you, get back to your most important work. One of my favorite features is the malware improvements. They've really upped their game with detecting malware on Clean My Mac X. And in today's world, frankly, you need that. Now, all Focus listeners will get 5% off. Check out the link in the show notes now or go to macpaw.app slash focused. That's macpaw.app slash focused or click the link in the show notes. 
And our thanks to Clean My Mac X for their support of the Focus Podcast and all of Relay FM. All right. So in the previous segment, we were talking about the uh, different apps as it pertains to toxic productivity. And uh, that leads into a concept that I have been anxious to uh, talk to you about. That is the PKM stack. And uh, I don't know, maybe there's someone else who came up with this concept before I did. But just my thought process as I was thinking about this was when you've got a, a web application, you've got a technology stack which is a whole bunch of different things that have to communicate together in order for the software to be delivered. And uh, I started thinking about how that actually applies to our personal knowledge management systems. And we've got all this information that's bouncing around and what are we doing with it? How is it connecting and moving between the different pieces of our, our PKM system uh, in a way that allows us to actually make something out of it. You kind of mentioned there has to be a, an output. You didn't say those exact words, but I agree. There, there's got to be some sort of, even if you're not a, a creator, there's got to be some sort of creative act associated with all of this this knowledge that we're, we're trying to, uh, to manage. And um, I like this idea of the stack with these, these different levels because I feel like there's, there's two different ways that information can come here. It can come the default way from the bottom up or it could come the intentional way from the, the top down. So you've come up with a little bit of a hierarchy. Let's go through it. Yeah, I have. And then I'm, I'm curious to hear uh, where you think, like which of these really stands out to, to you or maybe what uh, of this is is different for you but um yeah so i i call this the the pkm stack and this is really at the heart of of my personal knowledge management system uh, at the bottom level is the information and that's basically the stuff to keep uh, a lot of people in the subsidiary university cohort are coming from evernote and they've got the traditional approach with Evernote, which is I've sent stuff in there. I haven't looked at it for a long time. And now I'm looking to bring it over into a new system. And I tell them, don't just transfer it. Don't just import it all into Obsidian yeah. because you want to go through and you want to make a quality check and see if that stuff is actually going to be valuable for you. Um, but then even beyond just like the archive, which is really uh, the tool that you use at this information level, I can stick something in there and I can dig it up later if I need it. Just thinking about what is the information that I choose to feed on? What is the, the thing that I allow to come into my sphere of influence? I'm reminded of, of Jim Rohn's three questions. Who am I allowing to speak into my life? What impact is that having? And is that okay? I think that applies to the information that you're, you're consuming as well. Now, the next level is the ideas. And these are things that you need to develop. Um, and this is, the, this, this is kind of in between the information and then the actions. So the, the tasks, the projects, the things that you're, you're going to be doing. And for me, that's really important. Um, I've got my creativity flywheel, which is the, the whole process that's behind how I develop my own ideas. And I think this is the one that maybe a lot of people don't really think about. They've got the information they're consuming, the RSS that they're reading, the podcasts that they're listening to, the courses that they're going through, YouTube videos that they're watching. But if you don't take any time to think about, well, what does this really mean to me? It's just information that you consume. There is no output. And I really believe that your mind is kind of like a water wheel. There's got to be 
an inflow and there's got to be an outflow. And it doesn't have to be, well, I published something, published a blog post that articulates my thoughts on whatever thing. If you, if you want to do that, great. But really, even just something like an opinion note in, in Obsidian, I found really helpful for answering the question, you know, what do I really think about this? Uh, from there, obviously, the actions level, this is the tasks and the projects, but it's also the habits and the routines. And at this point, you know, you've got information, ideas, and actions. If you just let a default lifestyle, you could work that from the bottom up. And I think that is uh, what a lot of people do unintentionally. And it causes a lot of a lot of stress and anxiety because they have trouble finding purpose and meaning behind what they do. So I've added another layer at the very top, which is the philosophy. This is the vision and the values. And this is, you know, what you want your life to be about and what are the things that I'm going to do that are going to help me live in alignment with that. When you have that philosophy, now you can work from the top down. And instead of being a default life, now you're leaving, leading an intentional life. So you got your vision and your values, and then you can look at the actions that, and the projects and what you do for work and all that type of stuff and, and ask yourself, does this line up? And if not, you can make some changes. If it does, great. You know, it's possible at this point, you know, all of the actions that you're engaged in aren't, aren't really going to change. But once you realize that they are in line with your vision and your values, now there's, you've infused meaning into them and they're more exciting. It's something that you look forward to. And then once you have that, I believe even the ideas that you entertain and the information that you choose to consume changes because you're looking for those little mental Lego bricks that are going to be helpful and they're going to help you create something new down the road. And the, the process, I think, that kind of keeps this in check because you've got this intentional life from the top down. Um, and I'll put a, a visual in the show notes. I've also got a YouTube video about this where I've talked through some of this. But the, the thing that keeps you living the intentional life from the top down instead of just reacting to the information that's before you from the bottom up, in my opinion, is the reflection piece. And that's everything we're talking about today, the, the quarterly retreats, the, the thinking time breaks, the journaling, the mindfulness meditation. These are all practices that can help us just stay on that right path. But this is a, a constant battle. And we have to recognize that just because we've lived an intentional life for a little while doesn't mean that that's going to all of a sudden become the default. There's still going to be a struggle, and we have to daily fight to, to protect that. And I have a lot of feedback on this, really, to tell you the truth. To me, the entry level is, I guess I would say, philosophy or core beliefs. And that is what everything has to be grounded on. That's why we talk about going to quarterly personal retreats and getting in touch with yourself with journaling and meditation. You're right. I think that is that has to exist in order for any of the rest of it to make sense, at least for me. Um, but to me, the next block after that are the ideas that come out of those core beliefs and philosophy. And then that gets translated into action. So I think I would flip those two on your stack. And then, so for me, it would be philosophy followed by ideas arising from that and then actions arising from the ideas. But, you know, this is all semantics. <laughs> and then for me, the information doesn't fit in the PKM stack. Information is the bombardment you receive from the world. And you have a PKM stack and then information slams against those walls and you decide what gets in the door and what you decide to ignore. Cause the true problem I think of the modern world is too much information. Like 
Um, no, no generation before us has had so much at their fingertips. My own parents didn't have it. And certainly my grandparents, my grandfather worked in a coal mine. I mean, I think he went to work every day. He came home, he probably had a beer and went to bed. He didn't have the internet. And, um, but the, the unique problem as humans we have now is there's so much information coming at us and some of it's right. Some of it's wrong. Some of it is uh, of good intent and some of it is of ill intent. And we are getting, pummeled with all of it and unless you have the walls that a pkm stack you know represents the philosophy core beliefs and ideas that you can judge them against how do you know what to let in and not to let in so um this is an interesting concept i think i would go a little different direction with it but but i love the the exercise of it of going through and thinking about it nice yeah i i think the ideas that I'm talking about are maybe a little bit different than kind of the the code that you're talking about. Sure. Um, I think that's how Cal Newport would define it. But uh, essentially, I, I've started with the the problem, the the default lifestyle, because that information piece, this is the one that we we can't escape. Yeah. And if we don't curate the information that we collect, we don't realize the impact that it has on us. And I'm reminded of Tiago Forte's quote from building a second brain, that information is the fundamental building block of, of everything that you do. So I, I started from there and then realized that the information that you collect can spark ideas, but oftentimes it doesn't spark ideas. So at that point, why? Because I remember talking to a bunch of people when, it, when uh, with, I was with the Sweet Setup, biggest obstacle they have to idea management and there were quite a few people who said, you know, I, I don't think I'm creative. I have trouble coming up with ideas. And I remember, I relate to that, my own creative journey. I've said at one point, I guess I'm just not creative. Uh, and then I realized that uh, I read Austin Kleon, Steal Like an Artist, and realized that creating is just connecting dots in, in different ways. Oh, well, now creativity is a system or a formula. And if I collect better information, if I collect better dots, then the results are going to take care of themselves. And I feel like that's kind of what's happened in my life. And that's why I love something like Obsidian with that, that, that graph view, the specific, specifically the local graph, um, because it, it visualizes how these connections I, I, I feel are being made in my, my brain anyways. So then, you know, I've got this information, I have an, I have ideas or a lack of the ideas. And then because of that, Am I choosing intentional actions or am I just showing up every day and doing the thing because this is what I do? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that's that actions level to me is the one where the switch gets flipped if you've got that philosophy piece. But you are absolutely right. That philosophy piece, that's the one that you got to figure out. There's no shortcut to that. Uh, you can say, well, I, I can't you know make judgment calls on the things that I'm doing because I don't have that piece and I can't figure that part out because I'm too busy. Well, eventually you just got to take the break and, and figure it out. Uh, and when you do, it's going to provide the, the clarity that you need to make the right, right adjustments. I feel like that's something everybody should take the time to, uh, to figure out. It's why I do the, the life theme cohort, which I guess I should have mentioned. I'm, I'm hoping to do one of those this, this next quarter as well which is all about figuring out what are my personal core values? What is my personal mission statement? And then once you've identified that stuff, then it's a lot easier to live in alignment with it. Without that piece, you're left just kind of grasping at straws and hoping that something somewhere is going to resonate. It's tough. And honestly, the technology piece of this 
is you do need to figure out a way to make sense of it. And this is a place where technology can help you if you're smart about it. Yeah, exactly. Which is why so many of us went crazy for Obsidian, because it's like a tool built for this. Yeah, exactly. And and that's why in the, the cohort, one of the things that I, I make people do is diagram their PKM stack. So these are the different levels. But the next step then is like, well, what are the apps that support my intentional actions? Okay, how, are the, how do I manage tasks and projects? And I can tell you for me, I've got different apps for personal and work projects. I use Notion for all the work stuff because I have to collaborate on that. And for the personal stuff, I'm using Todoist. And how am I developing my ideas? I've got that creativity flywheel. and I've got different apps at different places that help me execute on that creativity flywheel. And what are the ways that I consume information? And what are the sources of the information that I'm consuming? You know, if you start with the vision and the values and like what you want your life to be about, it's a lot easier to plug in things that support the positive outcome that you're after. But without that piece, you're left kind of trying the the new shiny because you feel like, well, the the tasks and projects that I'm I'm working on, you know, I I feel frustrated every time I open my task manager. I don't really know why. It must just be the the UI or something about the design. And eventually I'll find something that clicks. No, it's probably the stuff that's on your list, the projects that exactly. you're engaged with. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, right? You say, well, this this app will solve all my problems. It won't. The fact that you're looking for that solution outside yourself is the problem. Yep. And and you can find an app and be happy with it. I've been using the same task manager for 15 years. I could have done it in probably some other task manager, but I'm not looking at the task manager as the source of the problem. I'm looking at the thing between my two ears as the source of the problem, you know, the resistance, the the fact that some days it's on the list, I have a perfectly capable app of showing me the list and I don't do the list. Well, what is that problem? And it's not the app, guys. It's you. <laughs> yep. You are the problem, but also you are the solution. And that's why the quarterly thinking and figuring out your intentions and ultimately like what thinking even bigger about your life and the type of life that you you want to live is is so important you're not going to hit it perfectly but it doesn't matter progress not perfection you can move even a little bit more in alignment with that future that you're envisioning that's a win and you do that consistently enough and you've made a positive impact in the world and you can define for yourself what that positive impact is but it's up to you to do the best you can with what you've got to to work with um that kind of gets at you know my, I mentioned my life theme previously, and um, I, I revamped mine a little bit ago, and uh, the way the one that I've landed on is essentially I'm a multiplier is how I, I condense it. I help people find their why, multiply their time and talent, leave a bigger dent in the universe, and once I've got that, now whenever I'm presented with an opportunity, is it in alignment with that? Is it in alignment with uh, the core values that I've identified that we've got printed and hanging on our living room wall? If it's not, then it's a lot easier to say no to those things. And the more things that you say no to, the better you are at the things that you say yes to, the less overwhelmed you feel, the more you feel like you're, you're hitting the mark. I mean, it, you got to start somewhere. 
But the minute that you start moving in this direction, I feel like the compound effect kicks in. And the more that you move in alignment with your vision and values, the more momentum you gain and the more exciting life becomes. But you're never going to even start that journey if you're just waiting for somebody else to fix it for you. You have to, I hate the term, you know, take responsibility, but essentially like that's, that's what it is. Yeah. Uh, And maybe ownership is a better way to say it. Because there are things that happen to people that aren't their fault, and there's nothing you can do about it. But sitting there and, and wishing that it was different is not helpful either. And maybe you can't change everything, but change what you can. Figure out what you can control and try to move the needle in that area. Still, I, I'm just looking at my Obsidian uh, Sparky OS. I've got an entry in here that says there are two options for blame one, blame yourself, two, blame nobody. And I don't know where, <laughs> I don't know what led me to write that down one day, but uh, I do find myself coming back to it on occasion, including you can't blame the apps. You can't blame the people, blame yourself or blame nobody and move on. <laughs> Boy, that's pretty judgmental, honestly, when I look at it. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, well, uh, That's fun. That's a fun experiment. I would recommend anybody listening, give some thought to that. So there's really two levels to what Mike is talking about with the PKM stack. It's how do you decide to defend yourself against the information bombardment from the world and, and, uh, and decide what you stand for and what matters. And then the second piece of it is technologically or analog, whatever, what are the, what's the tool set you use to, to hold the line. It's a fun experiment. I actually have a note too. I call it the Max Sparky technology stack. And I, I document stuff in there. That's another way I defend myself from toxic productivity is like, I have a system. This is here for a reason. I'm not going to, I'm not going to take this little piece out of the puzzle unless I've got a really good reason to do so. Cause the job of the system is to, you know, to punch little widgets at the bottom. It's not to change the system or manage the system. This episode of Focus is brought to you by Indeed. When you're faced with what might be considered aggressive hiring goals, you don't have to be worried because you know that you don't need a miracle. What you need is Indeed. Indeed is a hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. So instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, you can use Indeed's powerful hiring platform and it can help you do it all. Indeed streamlines hiring with powerful tools that help you find match candidates easily. With Instant Match, over 80% of employers get quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment that they sponsor a job, according to Indeed data in the U.S. Indeed's hiring platform is really great. I've used it myself several times in the last couple of months because they do all the hard work for you. Indeed shows you the candidates whose resumes fit your description immediately after you post so that you can hire faster. And even better, Indeed is the only job site where you only pay for the applications that meet your must-have requirements, which makes it an unbelievably powerful hiring platform that delivers four times more hires than all the other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest in 2019. So join myself and more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring right now with $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash focused, F-O-C-U-S-E-D. This offer is only good for a limited time, so claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash focused. That's I-N-D-E-E-D dot com slash focused to support the show by saying that you heard about it here on the Focus Podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
Need to hire? You need Indeed. Our thanks to Indeed for their support of the Focus Podcast and all of Relay FM. All right, Mike, we haven't covered it in a while, but what are, let's talk about some shiny new objects. And uh, I, I got one that I've been wanting to talk to the focus crowd about for a while. Um, it's the Ugg Monk cards. Now, I, I know that I've talked about these before. You're a fan as well. We had Jeff Sheldon on this show and he sold me. I, I use Ugg Monk cards in my task system for the final mile. Like stuff gets marked off in my task manager and written on a card at the very end. And then I don't go to the task manager for that stuff. It just doesn't need to happen. And in fact, like you and I, before we start recording today, we're talking about a thing that we're going to schedule a call on. Uh, I didn't even put it in the task system. I just wrote it down on tomorrow's card. I'm going to schedule that with you. So so it it has served a purpose for me. But Jeff came out with a new product a couple months ago, which are Ugmunk Weekly Cards. And they are, I would say, about two or three inches tall and about six or seven inches wide. And it's just a, it's a um, horizontal card with the days of the week and little grids on it, where you can write down the stuff you're going to do over the week. It's got, you know, Monday through Sunday listed on it logically. And I have a fancy digital calendar that I can open anytime on my screen and look at. But I thought, since I like the tasks on the cards at the end, I thought I'd put the calendar as well. So now every week, I get these cards out and I write down on them my commitments for the week. And the the darn thing is, it's there even if I turn my computer off. Anytime I look down at this card, I've got a list of things I'm doing over the next week. And I, I really dig it. Yeah, so that's the Ugmonk Analog Weekly version. I have this the same one uh, because I saw yours and I'm like, that looks awesome. I need that. And uh, I have a, a standard index card right here that I'm comparing it to. And it's basically, if you tip it up so it's it's been portrait view, it's the same width as a normal index card, but it's about the length of one and two thirds index cards. Yeah. So it, it is a dot grid and it's got this layout where there's five boxes on the top for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then two uh, not as tall, wider boxes on the bottom for Saturday and Sunday. And the idea behind this is that you kind of map out the big things that are going to happen throughout the week. And I think this is a brilliant idea. Uh, this is a phenomenal complement to the Ugmunk analog that you and I both have, but like the standard uh, note cards. Uh, I've got both of these on my desk currently. <laughs> Yeah, and I I did buy them. I got the package where it comes with a nice little walnut stand. But in my uh, life, because I have so many stream decks on my desk, there's not really room for the full stand. So what I've been doing is I keep like the next three weeks tilted up. Um, I've I've got a way to display them on my desk without the stand, and that seems to be working for me. But I didn't need the stand in hindsight. But uh, I really like these and I actually am using them about two, three weeks from now. So like I can flip it down and see next week's card generally what's coming. And again, this doesn't mean I don't use a digital calendar anymore, uh, but it does just give me an idea of what's coming and, you know, where do I have time? Like uh, there's a project I'm working on. I need about six hours of real focused time. And uh, I was looking at it yesterday. I'm like, oh, there's a day that has nothing on it. I'm going to protect that day. Um, so. So they're they're kind of nice. I like them. I've got a a shiny new analog object as well. So are you familiar with the Hobonichi Techo planners? 
Oh yeah, I know that. I know about them. I've never had one, but I know they're very popular. Yeah, well, I've got one, and I probably mispronounced the the name because honestly, I have never understood the hype with these. Uh, it's a planner that actually comes in several different versions. So the the one that I have is the uh, let's see, it's the planner book, and it's got uh, the entire year, but it's got weekly pages, it's got individual. Uh, daily pages and essentially it's a a planner that I'm planning to do all of my time blocking in. There are also complementary ones like you can get a tall skinny one which is the weeks one and there's like real small I guess they're A6 size. You know, you can have that as like a field notes size notebook that that you've always yeah. got with you. You've got the one page per day. You've got the the weekly calendar on the left. You've got the monthly calendar. You've, you've they've even got like a five year version. So I uh, got a notification from Anderson Pens that it's Hobonichi season. They've got them in. You know, you come look at them, but they always sell out really quickly. And I've never understood the hype. So I went and I looked at them. They've got really nice Tomoe River paper, and uh, I like the the look of them and I'm, I'm going to try this this year. So I I picked one up, but deciding which one to get and which like combination of one to get is not simple. I tried to ask for some guidance and they're like, "Well, it's kind of up to you. There's people that do this, there's people that do that." And uh <laughs> there's a bunch of different options that you can get like different covers for the different books. You can easily sink hundreds of dollars into this. Yeah. Um, I've decided not to do that. I just bought the the A5 size uh all-in-one type type planner but um i am gonna give this a shot and uh, i like the idea of using this as the single source of truth and then transferring my daily plans from there to the Ugmunk note cards and the the weekly cards that are on the desk so it's always in in front of me i guess i'll have to report back on how that actually works but that's the thought for 2024 so are you gonna keep your calendar events in it as well I don't think I'll keep the calendar events in it. Maybe I will have the the big events that I for sure want to plan around uh, in there. Like if I know I'm going to be doing uh, another cohort of Obsidian University and it's going to start in mid-January, putting those things on on that calendar. But if someone books a coaching call or something, I'm not you know making sure that it's always up to date. Uh, I'm going to use the digital calendar for for that and the uh, the New Year calendar is going to be in the same spot and that's going to be my yearly calendar and the the big trips and, and things like that but i think it will be helpful to have some of the stuff that is on that that focused new year calendar also in this this book i don't know exactly how where the balance is going to be with that but i do know if i try to keep everything in there i'm quickly going to give up on it yeah I, that's the thing I, I still need digital tools i mean to me analog becomes like i said the last mile um, and every time I get like one of these, like I've done the same thing with, um, uh, various like paper planners over the years, I just never stick with it because things are always changing. In fact, for some of my calendars, other people have control of, and things are changing sometimes without me even realizing it. So writing it down in these books is just probably a futility exercising futility, but, uh, for time blocking kind of like, you know, the historical Cal Newport draw a line down the center of the page stuff. I could see how this would be a nice, like a historical record. 
Yeah, that's the the goal. I think the the biggest job I'm hiring this to to solve is the the time blocking piece. And if it doesn't work, I've still got my fancy notebook with the <laughs> the paper that I custom order. Got a whole bunch of that still punched, and I can do that by hand every single day. But um, I think at the very least, it'll be nice to have those those daily pages and use that for time blocking if if nothing else. And I kind of don't know how many of the other features I'm I'm going to use, but I can tell you that the book itself feels really nice. Uh, the paper is really thin, which I was a little bit concerned about. But as I mentioned previously, I have a, a new fountain pen I got at the the Anderson Pens pen party for Deep Focus subscribers. I think I talked about about that in, in one of those uh, episodes. And uh, it's a, got a posting nib, so it's a really really fine nib, and and it's actually the my favorite nib of any pen that I've ever used. So I feel like that's the perfect pen for this as well. Um, again, we'll see if it sticks, but I'm going to give it a shot. So they've got three different models, the Avec, Dayfree, and Standard. Which one did you get? You know? Oh, man. Uh, I guess Dayfree doesn't probably have the dates written on it. Dayfree would be my guess. Yeah, I I think there's actually more than that. Um, Dayfree, a five size. That might be the one that I got. Uh, I know I got the the planner book. So this one has, I can share a link here, but this isn't the exact one that I got. Um, this is the one from the website that I was able to, uh, to dig up, but, uh, essentially it's got all the different components. So it's got the daily pages, it's got the, the weekly and the monthly stuff. And then it's even got a bunch of, uh, blank pages at the, the back that you can just use to, to take notes on things. Yeah, it is definitely overwhelming. Like if you're interested in a Hobonichi planner, it's like you need a Sherpa to to find which one you're supposed to use because there's so much, right? Yeah, exactly. And there's a whole bunch of accessories and things that you can get to go with it. Uh, custom rulers and stickers and covers. And it's definitely a rabbit hole. Um, I'm fighting going too far down it till I know that it's going to work. Yeah. Well, you got me curious, but if I wait, this will be a thing. If I wait like a couple of weeks, it'll be too late because they always sell out. So <laughs> maybe uh, my um, my delay will be to my benefit. I don't know. Yeah, that's the the thing. I've always avoided this because by the time I'm like, well, I've been hearing about this for the last three or four weeks. Maybe I'll check it out that they were already gone and you had to wait till next year. Yeah. But was in the right place at the right time this year and and picked one up. All right. Well, we are the Focus Podcast. You can find us at relay.fm slash focus. Don't forget about those calendars, gangs. The New Year calendars are now available. We've got a link in the show notes where you can go check it out and order yours today. Thank you to our sponsors, Electric, ZocDoc, and Clean My Mac X, and Indeed. Uh, for the deep focused episode today, I'm going to be talking about my new interest in pencils, of all things. Deep Focus is the extended ad-free version of the show. We'd love to have you. You can sign up for that over at relay.fm slash focused as well. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.